So welcome back to Sexpert Talks. This is healing and empowerment through sexuality, pleasure, relationships, and love. I am so excited to introduce today. This is Claudia Margarita. And Claudia is a sex success and intimacy coach for women in middle life and or menopause. Claudia, thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited to have you and to talk with you. <laughs> and I'm very excited to be here with you too. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you're so welcome. And Claudia is here to share with us some secrets for orgasmic aging. And I got so excited when I heard this topic. And I would love to know just from you, Claudia, what is orgasmic aging? Where did this come from and what does it mean to you? Sure. So orgasmic aging as a, as a phrase just popped up one morning about 18 months ago. And it emerged out of my own experience of going through perimenopause and subsequent menopause because I'm now... Actually, I'm two years postmenopausal, and it was just the idea of that. Just because we're you know growing older or aging, uh, becoming more seasoned or maturing, it doesn't mean that we're on a downward slope. Uh, and through my own experience, initially, what I saw out there was really depressing for women in terms of something to look forward to. And so the idea of orgasmic aging is that we as women can be, we can be alive, we can be strong, we can be healthy, we can be orgasmic and have the life that we want in our 50s, in our 60s, in our 70s. And we don't have to settle. We don't have to settle for average sex. We don't have to settle for a loss of libido as the that is a given when, when we go through menopause. So orgasmic aging was putting pleasure and confidence and vibrancy and aliveness into the second half of our lives. Mm. I feel so excited just hearing you say that. And, <laughs> and I, I noticed a couple of things when you were sharing. And one was um, you talked about settling and how we don't have to settle. And that just felt like, ah, because... I don't know if it's cultural or societal, but it feels like um, settling was just something that naturally came with aging that, oh, we're going to lose this and we're going to lose this and it's all going to go mm -hmm. down and you just have to get over it. And you just shared that a loss of libido doesn't have to happen or it doesn't have to look a certain way or mean a certain way. And that is, that's almost quite rebellious you know, compared to mm -hmm. what we're conditioned to expect. So I would love to hear more of your wisdom around this area of, you know, libido and the orgasmic potential in aging. Absolutely. And, and I guess a comment on that as well, some of that loss of libido, I've had a personal experience with that as well. And believing, initially believing that that was my lot, that I was done. and it was almost like my sexuality uh, was doomed before it really even took off in my life. Mm -hmm. And through my experience and, and the knowledge and, and what I train women in now, I know that it's so much bullshit. And every woman's experience of her sexuality, her relationship with her body is unique, of course. And not every woman's sexuality is, we're all going to have a different flavor of it. But just because we go through menopause, it doesn't mean 
that uh, it's consigned to the rubbish bin and that if we do experience a loss of libido, which can be a common experience, uh, as I said, yeah, women have a varied experience of, go of perimenopausal symptoms and menopausal symptoms, but it doesn't mean by any stretch of the imagination that it remains lost or it remains that it goes into hiding for a while. It can be a really great opportunity to almost unleash or uncover the natural relationship I believe every woman has with her sexuality, her body, uh, that can give her so much vitality and confidence going forward into the second half of her life. Mm, amazing, amazing. This is such wonderful news. And I'm imagining kind of two different experiences, you know, that our listeners or viewers could be having right now. And one could be, um, maybe women in a position like myself that are not experiencing menopause or perimenopause yet, but it's coming. And we, yeah. we kind of expected that this was just going to happen. And now it's like, oh, well, we, we could have something very different. And I'm also thinking of perhaps the women that are perimenopausal or, or, or in menopause and they're experiencing stuckness. They have had the loss of libido and are having the fears that you were sharing that, oh, well, I guess, I guess this is it. This is, this is what it's going to be. So what, what would you share with those women as maybe some of the, some of the things that they could do to nourish themselves, you know, through this time, either preventative or just, just working with what is and what's there? Sure. So I think the first thing I would love uh, women to uh, take on, uh, that, and that's about the cyclical nature of our desire. Uh, certainly, I remember thinking that unless I was a woman who was able to be turned on and have full-on desire all the time, that there was something wrong with me. And in fact, pretty much like our menstrual cycles and many other things in life, desire is cyclical. So... Uh, much like the seasons as an, as an analogy, that the summer, the fall, the winter, the spring, that our desire can go through a cycle and it can go from summer to autumn to winter. And when, we're, when we lose desire, to, the, the invitation is to, is to not judge it and it, it is to honour it and to listen to your body. If you don't feel desire, don't override it. Don't it's about not squeezing ourselves into a model that overrides the way our body's feeling because this body, your body, women's bodies hold so much innate wisdom. We're just, we're conditioned out of a really strong relationship to our, our in-body wisdom or our non-verbal wisdom. So firstly, to really listen to your body and honour where it's at. So if that means resting a lot, if it means saying no to a partner, it's really about listening first and foremost. Um, so you're not fighting against yourself. Um, then I would say, for, particularly for women who are going through perimenopause and menopause, but also for women who beforehand who aren't, is to look at your general health and wellness. And I, I guess this is a practical kind of uh, tip because you know, if we're not sleeping, which is something that a lot of women who go through menopause uh, experience but stress you know if we're stressed in life we may not be sleeping well we may not be sleeping well because we're a mother uh, so you know taking care of our health and wellness 
because that plays such a huge part in desire as well. So if we're not looking after our basic needs physiologically, uh, if we're eating bad foods, we're drinking a lot of alcohol, um, if we're placing our body under different levels of stress, then that can also have an impact on our desire uh, from, from a pragmatic point of view. So yeah, there's a general advice there just to look after ourselves and do what you need to do to be healthy and first and foremost, listen to where your body's at. Don't override it. Mm. Uh, then, yeah, anything you want to ask on that? Because uh, the next thing I'm going to go into is actually my favorite part of it, and that's around the self-pleasure. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I just wanted to just comment on I love the seasonal model or the, the cyclical model because it feels like it gives a natural space for what, what you're describing of honoring where you're at. It feels like it is not only okay for me to be wherever I'm at in that cycle of libido and desire, but that it holds almost a function, right? It's, it's not this mm. up the hill and down and that that's it. It's finished. It's like, Oh, this, this place is meant to be here and there's a purpose and so it's okay for me to feel like this. And then there's also the hope because it's a cycle that will continue again and again, instead of, like I said, that kind of peak and then go back down. So I'm just appreciating the beauty in that model and how well, like your practical tip about, you know, the sleep and, you know, just, just all those aspects of our health. It makes so much sense. I know in my experience, I can't pour from an empty cup, you know, for, for desire, I have to be in a certain place and then it will, it can naturally overflow. If we're already so tired and so stressed, it can feel like such a push and such, um, such a squeeze or a strain and the thought of like stepping back and just honoring and saying, Oh, whatever's here or not here. It's okay. It feels really beautiful and, and healing as an invitation to do so so thank you yeah absolutely it's all about us as women learning to trust ourselves and to trust our bodies again uh, i could talk ad nauseum about our horrible histories um, but uh, you know one of the things i found in doing in learning about this space many years ago was looking at the history behind us and just seeing how much and this is not dissing men at all because I'm married to a man, I, I love men, uh, but just the history of medicine and the way women, the women's roles over history and the way women's bodies were described. Uh, there's a, I remember reading about medieval anatomists calling our vulva and our vaginal area pudendum, which means to be ashamed in Latin. And yeah. so... You know, we've been described and categorised in body-negative, sex-negative ways for centuries. So it's only natural that, you know, um, and, and to not be in a position of power of our own bodies. And so that this whole concept of just listening to ourselves is really about coming back and trusting ourselves, listening to our own voice, not the voices out there or the voices mm. from our history. Mm, it's a personal revolution, isn't it? It's like, oh, it starts yeah. here. Absolutely starts here with me saying, well, I choose yeah. to accept where I'm at. Uh, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, and so, uh, 
one thing that I found uh, has been revolutionary for myself and for so many women that uh, I work with is the idea of working with our belief systems and our thinking patterns and seeing what's in the way or the obstacles or layers on top of the relationship to our natural sexuality. Because I firmly believe that every woman has a natural sexual energy about her. And often what happens over our lives is that stories or thinking patterns dampen the destroy sometimes the relationship we have with our bodies you know cover it with so much sex negativity and oppression that we lose we lose our identity as a sexual sovereign being and so part of working through and rediscovering what our desire is is about working through the, the stories what our sexual story is and the impact it, it's had on our beliefs about orgasm, about surrender, about sex, about desire, and uh, the impact it also has on our body, because what we think you know, has an experience in, in our body. And so this is perimenopause, but also loss of desire generally is such a great opportunity for us to explore what are the stories I have about being a sexual or a sensual woman? What are the impacts of them in my life? And are they in fact, holding me holding my natural sexual um, mojo or, or sense of who i am as a woman are they actually constraining who i can be as a sexual being because we often find that if you create belief systems that support the idea that you are a sexually sovereign sensual woman that uh that has a positive impact on your ability on your sense of desire and and uh and desire needs to have physical intimacy with yourself and with other with other people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I know, like you and I, you and I both know, we've been through some similar trainings that we've picked yeah. up. You know, our <laughs> our own stories, and it's absolutely shocking sometimes. Like what's under the surface? Like when we go and and you know dig around a little bit and realize oh, this is a belief that I, I had, and, and it's subconscious. It's not even something mm. we're, we're aware of. And our subconscious, I was just listening to a podcast. I don't remember where, where it was, but they were saying the subconscious runs the show 80% of the time. It's just those yeah. beliefs and habits that, you know, it, it's our autopilot. And so... Okay, I'll, I'll give a personal example. I realized that I had a belief that um, sex was something that was going to take a lot of effort and a lot of energy in a negative way, like 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 almost like work. You know, oh, this is going to take so yeah. much effort, and I didn't even realize I believed that, and it was playing out like I was turning down sex thinking that, oh, I don't have the energy for that. And it wasn't actually true. It was not a body check-in saying, oh, I don't actually want this right now. I'm too tired. It was this weird unconscious belief protecting me from this exertion. So it's really yeah. amazing the things that can be under there that we can just oh. bring up. <laughs> so. Absolutely. And even, even a belief like uh, uh, as as a middle-aged woman, as a woman over 40, my libido uh, is, yeah, will we'll go downhill and uh, I am, 
I can't be sexy and sensual if, if I have wrinkles around my eyes or if I have gray hair. It is so mm. much bullshit that, that if we believe, if we buy into it, of course, you know, it plays out in our minds and our, and our, and, and our experience, it directly impacts our experience and the way we hold our body and the tension we hold our body with. Uh, so we have to be very, yeah, we have to become aware of what we're believing because that directly impacts our experience of who we are as a sensual woman. Certainly yeah. I found that. And I'm hearing you say, and, and it's really resonating, that we almost decide like, early early on in our lives that we're just not going to be sexy after a certain point and yeah. it's like we take away our our beauty and our desirability and our yeah. our sexiness we take it away ourselves and plan it out without yeah. even realizing oh wow oh and and you can even like if you look at tv shows or movies uh you know it's changing now but traditionally you, you can just see this stereotype of the middle-aged woman who's wearing some kind of frumpy or a, a non-flattering outfit unless of course she's a cougar and is somewhat dangerous yes but there's a sort of stereotype that we are not sensual beings anymore just because we've re reached a certain age point and just i hate it so much and you know my own experience of having to face that and find a way of navigating that and you know deciding who i wanted to be as a woman you know in over 50 now but uh, it just it just has such impact big impact on women's lives and it's so not on it's so not right and we we as a collective we need to take ownership to change that and say no more that's bullshit we'll be who we bloody well want to be yeah. sorry i'm getting quite i get quite passionate about this topic. I know I feel like chill bumps. It's like yes, yes. You know, like choosing choosing our own identities. I, I love anything to do with identity and like finding like what's my sexy and what was my sexy at yeah. twenty and my sexy at thirty and my, my sexy at seventy, you know, like it's something to play with. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, we're not static. We're not static beings. We're, we're women. We're forever changing. And, you know, who knows? I don't know what I'll be at, at 60, but I'll explore my idea of my sexuality for as long as I can because it's, it's pleasurable. It gives me vitality. I feel confidence and alive inside of myself. And this is the experience I see women uh, when they go down this path as well, that it's just a wellspring of, a sense of being in home in your own body and confidence and, and optimism for the future. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. So much, so much yeses for this. And and as you sit across from me, um, for the people that are watching on YouTube, they get to see this. For anyone listening, I'm sure that they can hear it in your voice and in your energy. But you are so confident and full of vitality and gorgeous and sexy. And you, you hinted a few minutes ago that you wanted to share like um, something around pleasure yeah. with us. So I, I would love to know, um, you, you mentioned your favorite. So, so let us in on some of these tips and secrets for um, lighting this fire. With yeah. ourselves. Absolutely. So part of, of navigating a way through a loss of desire is it might be counterintuitive initially when you sort of think, well, doing a self-pleasure or having a self-pleasure masturbation practice. But 
it's the biggest I've found it to be it's a it's such a huge form of self-love and self-care in the sense of when you set aside a spacious time with yourself to to connect to pleasure in your body and that can be any form of pleasure that can be a, a half hour period where you're in the room alone and you stroke a part of your skin or you touch your hair or you wrap yourself up in a blanket or you turn yourself on when you connect to pleasure in that manner and and connect back to your body time and time again you open up an experience of yourself uh, you find out what your needs are you find because one of the things i found is that women have in the past we're often taught about uh, arousal in terms of a male model of arousal. So we know uh, a man can go from zero to 100 in a very short period of time. And there are many women that aren't like that. Some are, but not everyone. And so for those of us who have a slower model of arousal, so it takes us a while, we like time to get our juices flowing. If we spend our sexual adult history uh, squeezing ourselves into a male model of desire or not speaking our needs, we overrun our needs. And so a self-pleasure practice is about rediscovering what you like. It's about nourishing and looking after yourself. And it's retraining your nervous system from numbness or loss of libido. It's, a, it's about retraining it and letting it re-spark and finding what your desire is again. Uh, I have seen so many women, like when guided to a self pleasure practice that is really nourishing and in, and in alignment with how you're feeling in that period of time that it just sparks this this whole spark of aliveness just just you can just see it in their face and the way they hold themselves um, and this to me is just such a basic care practice where a woman is saying i am worthy of time to spend time on myself to to get out of my thinking head to, to be in my senses, to discover what pleasure means for me moment by moment and what my orgasmic nature is, what my sensual nature is. And once, when you know that and you discover that for yourself, then that's something we, you, all of us can share with a partner and it's something that just spills over, I, I have found, in everyday, everyday living. I don't know if you can relate to that as well. Yes, and I'm so glad you brought up that worthiness piece because I was thinking that as well. Um, that that act of you know the the self pleasure practice, however it looks, and that being a regular practice, like something that we give ourselves, um, it literally rewires the brain. It, it it's by yeah. showing ourselves, I prioritize. Um, how I'm feeling right now and this is just for me and noticing what I like and giving yourself that time as you said however it looks whether it's full on like like a masturbation like full sexual practice or yeah just like I'm gonna do a scalp massage or, or a body scrub um, and in fact the flexibility it's reinforcing that as well that oh well I I this is what I need right now. And I'm going to do this instead of forcing or denying, you know, a certain kind of pleasure. It's actually sending a message to our self-conscious or our subconscious that we were talking about that I'm worthy of receiving this, you know, I'm, I'm giving this to myself again and again and again. 
and that's that's teaching you know our our nervous system that I am worthy of having this pleasure. It's safe to have this pleasure. Um, in addition to what you were describing about just discovering, oh, I like these things. This makes me feel yes. kind of way. Oh, I have a response to this scent or this sound or this kind of touch. Exactly. Yeah, such a discovery yeah. process in itself. It is. And it's about bringing pleasure into all of your life. And that has a flow on effect into your relationship to yourself intimately uh, as well. Yeah, it's kind of revolutionary. It just in the sense that we are worthy of pleasure in many different ways in how we, yeah, in how we care for ourselves in, in sense, surrounding ourselves with beautiful things or with a scent or making food for ourselves or buying food for ourselves that we love the taste of. But yeah, just cultivating that practice where we're saying I am worthy of pleasure and delight and having because you know the whole self-pleasure as well is about uh training our nervous system wiring our neurology so that the cells so that our our sensory neurons activate and so that we we train ourselves to experience more pleasure the more that we spend time giving ourselves pleasure yeah Absolutely, it is. It's like, oh yeah, oh I'm gonna smell these herbs when I'm cooking, and oh I'm gonna wash dishes and yeah. notice how nice this warm water feels on my hands. It's amazing the the funny moments that we're noticing these kind of sensory mm -hmm. and sensual pleasures. You know, it's just normal parts of our daily lives. That's been such a fun fun bonus. Noticing those small things. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. And so what would you recommend if, if this idea of a personal, you know, a personal self-pleasure practice for someone that's maybe never done it before, or maybe they're used to, okay, I go to do this workout or I go to this class and that's their, their practice. What would be a, a, a great step for them to begin as part of a self-pleasure practice? Sure. I, I think the important part initially is to set aside some time, uh, 20 minutes, half an hour. And at first you, you, know, you might think 30 minutes, that's a long time. Or for other women, it may be, yeah, that's of course 30 minutes. But to set aside some spacious time, make sure you feel safe uh, in a room or you know, choose somewhere where you feel safe, where you won't be disturbed. And to check in, and one of the things I like to start with is a is a body scan. So I sort of close my eyes and scan it so through my body with my attention and just notice the sensations in my body. Notice what I'm sensing. And then to sort of play with different touches to see how my body's responding on that particular day. You know, what what do I feel like? What do I need? And to to use touch to use a pace so to be slow to play with a slow pace to use breath to breathe into where you're touching to really invite the breath because breath helps to resensitize mm -hmm. and often as women if we're used to uh, a fast if, if yeah, we're so busy life is at such a fast pace that often the way we sell pleasure can Sort of mirror that pace sometimes and so the invitation is to really really like really slow it down and knowing you have 20 or 30 minutes of time to take up 
to play and explore. Relax your jaw, breathe into where you are touching and just keep on coming back to the sensations that you're noticing. And it might even be numbness. Like you might touch somewhere and think, I'm actually not noticing anything at all. That's information for you. And just to do exactly what your body wants. It may be that you come to a session and you're so turned on, you just want to flip out an orgasm. That's totally fine. It's just simply about honouring where you are in that moment and to give yourself time to play and explore. Breath, slow it down, be safe and keep coming back to the sensations time and time again. That's a very, very simple but super effective way to give yourself more spaciousness in, in the pleasure space. Love it. Thank you. Thank you for breaking that down for us. Oh. No worries. Now, there's just one thing, more thing I'd love to just quickly share, if, if I may. Yes. Uh, around the jade egg, because mm -hmm. I, that, that sort of ties itself naturally to self-pleasure. Um, because one of the things that can happen with, with perimenopause and menopause, hormone levels are absolutely changing. And pelvic health, pelvic care, and our ability to orgasm yeah, and loss of libido, we can find that that's all tied together. One of the things I found that works super well is taking care of our pelvic health because sometimes it's not until we're getting up two or three times a night. Sometimes it's not until we're sneezing and jumping and realizing that, uh, oops, I've got a bit of bladder leakage because that can happen. Or, or that women are experiencing perhaps numbness or dryness during sex. Um, having a, a pelvic health exercise practice such as a JDEG practice where yeah, you're using a particular type of egg, which yeah, is, comes from a Taoist background, to create um, muscular strength, to create physical strength inside of our vagina, to create emotional connection to an area that often we, yeah, aside from perhaps when we're menstruating or when we're having sex, often we can ignore this beautiful, luscious seat of who we are as women. So having a pelvic health routine to strengthen uh, using a genetic practice because when we have stronger muscles, when we have focus down there, we increase our sensate focus. So we increase our awareness of our sensations. We, uh, it's a practice where you can uh, develop strength, which also increases your, uh, the intensity of orgasms, the intensity of the pleasure that you feel but it also connects you to a beautiful, this beautiful womanly part of our bodies, uh, which also helps to bring us back home into our body and have us sitting down. Uh, it also helps to create a sense of self-love and body confidence because it's about mm -hmm. celebrating all the parts of you as a woman. And that's what I found as well. It's very, very helpful in navigating a, a libido, you know, if there is a loss of libido or if there's a lull in your desire to connect to yourself physically, but also in an emotional and, and an energetic manner. Yeah. Oh, it sounds like it's like, I hate to use this phrase, but I will, ticking all the boxes of, of what you described for, <laughs> like honoring and accepting where we're at, but also uh, including yeah. some pleasure and, you know, reconnecting to ourselves and having a dedicated time and way to to do that yeah. um and especially in in this current time of you know where a lot of us are in lockdowns and quarantines it, this is an individual practice we don't have to be 
with people, you know, in a certain space and, and it sounds very personal. So um, it sounds like a beautiful way to, to reconnect you know, with yourself. I, I would love to know if you have any favorite stories or breakthroughs, you know, that have been experienced either by someone you've worked with or by yourself, you know, just around the, the jade egg and, and the results from this practice. Sure. You know, I remember a year or so ago, a woman who, and it wasn't a specific instance, but she was using the jade egg and was just so surprised at the amount of pleasure that she could actually experience in her body. She was in tears uh, on a call with me once, just because she thought that, yeah, she had this idea of, well, this is as much pleasure as I can experience. This is, uh, this is the type of orgasm I'm capable of experiencing. And she was just, she was speechless with, with gratitude for herself and her own body as to, as to the increasing pleasure that she was experiencing through connecting through a, a jade egg. And I certainly can vouch from my own personal experience because uh, I certainly experienced a massive loss of libido during perimenopause. And uh, everything I've just shared with you is what I went through myself, the, uh, unpacking all the beliefs I had about myself as a woman, etc., starting a self-pleasure practice. And the jade egg, uh, just like took everything to that next level uh, and I remember distinctly having sex and I'm sure pretty sure Steve won't mind me sharing this having sex with Steve once after I had been particularly I've been doing a lot of jade egg practice uh, and having sex once and literally like he almost exploded in orgasm immediately and I felt as soon as as soon as we were having making intimate love I felt every part of him inside of me, and uh, and 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 it was almost like I could I could feel my individual vaginal muscles, and he just exploded with pleasure. And that came purely because of the time that I've been spending with the jade egg, uh, connecting connecting to myself, and it was exquisite. Yeah, you know? and and I never thought that I was going to be one of those women who was sexual. Uh, I thought I was, I was a woman who was just one of those women who was a not going to be a nice person, but I wasn't sexual. Now I know you can be, yeah, your nice women are sexual and can be very, very sensual and have amazing, wonderful, intimate uh, lives with their partners. So, yeah. Oh, incredible. Thank you so much for sharing both of these stories. They're so exciting and encouraging and inspiring and and I would love to know if, if someone is listening and they would like to learn more about the Jade Egg, uh, what types of practices um, they can use and how to work with you to have some of these experiences for themselves and to go through some of the processes that you shared today. Where can we find you? How can we reach you? And what are the, the different ways that someone can work with you? Sure. So I, I have an orgasmic aging Instagram and Facebook page. And also, sorry, I hope I didn't lose there. I just got a low battery. Yeah. Am I back? Okay. You're yeah. back. Also. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So orgasmic aging on Instagram and Facebook uh, without the E. Here in Australia, we spell aging A G E I N G, but it's uh, I've spelled it A G I N G. Uh, also on my website, 
And the way that I love to work with women, uh, there's, there's two different ways. One, uh, one-on-one coaching where I support a woman to work through a particular goal or desire that she has around uh, her relationship to herself and her body, intimacy, desire, uh, pelvic health. And then also I support women with uh, an online program, which is all about a 360-degree approach to thriving through menopause so women can just tap into their own magnificence. And so I do have, yeah, have an online program uh, through that. So, yeah, women can reach me through Instagram on my Facebook page or through the website and uh, contact me that way. Wonderful. It sounds amazing. And um, we will put all of this, this information in the show notes so that anyone listening, you can find Claudia's website, her social media links, and the ways to contact her in the show notes. So Claudia Margarita, thank you so much for being here and giving us all of this incredible news about how to experience orgasmic aging for ourselves. Really appreciate you <laughs> being here on Sexpert Talks. Uh, thanks, darling. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you for everything. <laughs>